Forlock Forbach Reads. Produced by the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library. Welcome to Warlock Vorabach Reads, a Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library podcast. Do you hear the ocean waves beckoning? That high-pitched moan amongst the rocks and waves. Is that a bird? A siren? Or a spray of sea salt? Or the cry of a ghost? Maybe our next poet could answer that question. Last time, two ladies were tempted by enticing goblin merchants. This time, we read the shipwreck ballads and haunted poetry of one of the fireside poets. I'm speaking of the most popular American poet in his day, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Henry was born on February 27, 1807, in what is today called Portland, Maine, but at the time was the District of Maine, part of the Massachusetts Commonwealth. His ancestry includes Peleg Wadsworth, a general during the American Revolutionary War, and Robert Warren, a pilgrim passenger on the Mayflower. Henry was very studious at school, and at age 13 published his first poem, The Battle of Lavelle's Pond, in the Portland Gazette. In 1822, he attended Bowdoin College, the university founded by his grandfather and where his father served as a trustee. There, he met Nathaniel Hawthorne, and they became lifelong friends. He published about 40 minor poems between January 1824 and his graduation in 1825. He had been fourth in his class and elected to Phi Beta Kappa, the oldest academic honor society in America, whose inducted members have gone on to be 17 U.S. presidents, 40 U.S. Supreme Court justices, and 136 Nobel laureates. Other Phi Beta Kappa members include Ralph Waldo Emerson, W.E.B. Du Bois, Nelson Rockefeller, Jade Snow Wong, Ursula K. Le Guin, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Gloria Steinem, Francis Ford Coppola, Thomas Pynchon, Barack Obama Sr., and Sufjan Stevens. After graduating, Henry extensively traveled Europe, learning multiple languages without formal instruction. In 1829, he turned down a professorship at Bowdoin College on account that it did not pay enough. The trustees raised the salary and paid him an additional $100 to be the college librarian for one hour a day. He translated many French, Italian, and Spanish textbooks, and his first published book was a translation of the medieval Spanish poet Jorge Manrique. He married a childhood friend, Mary Storer Potter, but she died five years later from illness after a miscarriage. Henry would struggle with her death the rest of his life, writing numerous poems about her. 
He began publishing his poetry in 1839 with Voices of the Night. For the next seven years, he would pursue the hand of Frances Appleton for marriage, which she finally agreed to in 1843, causing an excited Henry to walk 90 minutes to her house instead of taking a carriage. They had six children. However, she too would meet a grim fate, accidentally burning herself to death while trying to seal an envelope. Henry was also badly burned while trying to put her out and hid his disfigurement behind a large beard. Henry began translating Dante's Divine Comedy and created the Dante Club that would meet every Wednesday to review proofs. It went through four printings in its first year of publication. He also sold a poem to the New York Ledger for $3,000, the highest amount paid for a single work of poetry. In March of 1882, he went to bed with a severe stomach pain and would die a few days later. I will be reading three of his poems, Haunted Houses, Haunted Chamber, and The Ballad of Carmillan, which was published in 1872. Here are some historical events that happened in 1872. The Metropolitan Museum of Art opens in New York City. Yellowstone becomes the first national park. The magazine Popular Science is first published. Victoria Woodhall, a leader of the suffrage movement, becomes the first woman to run for president, although she did not appear on the ballot due to her being a year younger than the age 35 requirement. The Virginia Agricultural and Mechanical College begins its first academic session, later to be renamed Virginia Tech. Susan B. Anthony votes for the first time and is served an arrest warrant and fined $100, which she never pays. The Mary Celeste sails from New York to Italy. The Great Fire of Boston destroys 776 buildings of the financial sector. Claude Monet begins painting Impression Sunrise which would give the name Impressionism to the art movement. The first International Association football match is recognized by FIFA, a 0-0 tie between Scotland and England. Universal public schools are called for during the Meiji Restoration of Japan. And now for some poems by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Haunted Houses All houses wherein men have lived and died are haunted houses. Through the open doors the harmless phantoms on their errands glide, with feet that make no sound upon the floors. We meet them at the doorway, on the stair, along the passages they come and go, in palpable impressions on the air. A sense of something moving to and fro. 
There are more guests at table than the hosts invited. The illuminated hall is thronged with quiet, inoffensive ghosts, as silent as the pictures on the wall. The stranger at my fireside cannot see the forms I see, nor hear the sounds I hear. He but perceives what is, while unto me all that has been is visible and clear. We have no title deeds to house or lands, owners and occupants of earlier dates from graves forgotten stretch their dusty hands and hold in Mortmain still their old estates. The spirit world around this world of sense floats like an atmosphere and everywhere wafts through these early mists and vapors dense a vital breath of more ethereal air. Our little lives are kept in equipoise by opposite attractions and desires, the struggle of the instinct that enjoys and the more noble instinct that aspires. These perturbations, this perpetual jar of earthly wants and aspirations high, come from the influence of an unseen star an undiscovered planet in our sky. And as the moon from some dark gate of cloud throws o'er the sea a floating bridge of light, across whom trembling planks our fancies crowd into the realm of mystery and night. So from the world of spirits there descends a bridge of light, connecting it with this, o'er whose unsteady floor that sways and bends, wander our thoughts above the dark abyss. The Ballad of Carmillan The jolly skipper paused a while, and then again began, There is a specter ship, quoth he, a ship of the dead that sails the sea, and is called Carmillan. A ghostly ship, with a ghostly crew, in tempest she appears. And before the gale, or against the gale, she sails without a rag of sail, without a helmsman steers. She haunts the Atlantic, north and south, but mostly the mid-sea, where three great rocks rise bleak and bare, like furnace chimneys in the air, and are called the Chimneys Three. And ill betide the luckless ship that meets the Carmelan. Over her decks the seas will leap. She must go down into the deep and perish mouse and man. The captain of the Vladimir laughed loud with merry heart. I should like to see the ship, said he. I should like to find these chimneys three that are marked down in the chart. I have sailed right over the spot, he said, with a good stiff breeze behind. When the sea was blue and the sky was clear, you can follow my course by these pinholes here, and never a rock could find. And then he swore a dreadful oath. He swore by the kingdom's three, that, should he meet the Carmelan, he would run her down, although he ran right into eternity. All this, while passing to and fro, the cabin boy had heard, 
He lingered at the door to hear, and drank in all with greedy ear, and pondered every word. He was a simple country lad, but of a roving mind. Oh, it must be like heaven, thought he, those far-off foreign lands to see, and fortune seek and find. But in the full castle, when he heard the mariner's blaspheme, he thought of home, he thought of God, and his mother under the churchyard thawed, and wished it were a dream. One friend on board that ship had he, t'was the clobberman, who saw the Bible in his chest, and made a sign upon his breast, all evil things to ban. The Haunted Chamber Each heart has its haunted chamber, where the silent moonlight falls. On the floor are mysterious footsteps. There are whispers along the walls. And mine at times is haunted by phantoms of the past, as motionless as shadows by the silent moonlight cast. A form sits by the window that is not seen by day, for as soon as the dawn approaches, it vanishes away. It sits there in the moonlight, itself as pale and still, and points with its airy finger across the window sill. Without before the window, there stands a gloomy pine, whose bows wave upward and downward as wave these thoughts of mine. And underneath its branches is the grave of a little child, who died upon life's threshold and never weeped or smiled. What are ye, O pallid phantoms, that haunt my troubled brain, that vanish when day approaches and at night return again? What are ye, O pallid phantoms, but the statues without breath that stand on the bridge overarching the silent river of death? Thank you for listening to Warlock Vorabach Reads, a Cincinnati and Hamilton County public library podcast. I hope you're not too haunted now, or afraid of the water. Keep on sharing this podcast with friends and family. Next time, our poet kept the folk songs of Ireland alive. Until then, <laughs> Thanks for listening to Warlock Vorabach Reads. Subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss future episodes. And discover more of our podcasts at chpl.org slash podcasts.